The reading of the Scriptures, Acts chapter 2, reading verses 14 to 21. So uh, give reverent attention to the public reading of God's holy word here in Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When, uh, when I was a... Uh young uh, high school student. Occasionally, uh, I would go downtown Oklahoma City. And generally, every time I went down there, I would run across an elderly gentleman who would wear a sandwich board. Uh, Upon both sides was written the phrase, uh, the end is near. Uh, I was deeply... uh, respected his courage. So we, don't, we don't see that. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've seen someone wearing a sandwich board in a long time. Uh, you know, maybe you have, but I, I have. I, I mean with the scriptures or some reference to God, uh, importance of faith and repentance. I mean, we, uh, but uh, bless his heart, the end is near. Uh, the uh, uh, the problem, and I say this with deep affection and love for the elderly gentleman, is, uh, is uh, the, the, uh, the theology is entirely wrong. Uh, the end isn't near, ladies and gentlemen. The end has come. It has come. It has arrived. That is the point of Peter's uh, sermon in Acts 2 the presence of the Spirit of God in a profound way. The end times have started. Uh, The day has begun. Now that has profound applications for each one of us. Uh, The time is late. The day is urgent. uh, Because uh, the day of the Lord has started. And that is, again, the, the point of uh, the Spirit coming in fulfillment. In particular, the fulfillment specified by the prophet Joel, Joel chapter 2, in, uh, in judgment and blessing. Uh, in that sense, uh, uh, the end times coming in the presence of the Spirit inaugurates the end time judgment. I mean, think about that. Oh, I've got plenty of time. 
think I've told the story over and over to you. Some of you had a friend of mine in high school. Found himself in an incredible crisis in his life. His wife had passed away. He was, he was in deep distress. Went to a friend of his. Knocked on the door because of its consternation and all that it meant. And you know, I thought you sought religion when you were an old man. No, my friend, you better seek it early. And, and you better seek it long because the end times have begun. The day is urgent. It's the point of uh, the outpouring of the Spirit, Joel. Uh, the day is late. Uh, well, the Spirit comes uh, in beginning fulfillment of the end times, verses 14 to 16. Uh, uh, and this is a cosmic change. Uh, it's something the world has, has, uh, has not experienced before the day of Pentecost uh, in Jerusalem in the days of the, of the apostles. It had not occurred ever. And now it's broken out. Almost as if the Spirit of God had invaded the earth gathering, gathering His, his people. Uh, uh, the context, again, is Peter's interpreting the outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, if you look at Acts chapter 2 and verse, verse 12, uh, the people are perplexed. They don't understand what's going on. Uh, and they say, uh, uh, what, uh, what does this mean? And so Peter's going to answer their question. He's going to witness to the faith. He's going to tell them what it means. Uh, it means, uh, as I've suggested to you, the, uh, the beginning of the end. It's not the end. I still believe there is an end. Of course, uh, uh, I'm just telling you that with the outpouring of the Spirit, it has radically started. A radical event has occurred. And it should mean radical things for the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, as a prelude uh, tells us uh, what they observed, namely, it's not the influence of too much wine, uh, but the Spirit. And by the way, that's one of the great ways, as I've suggested, uh, to witness to people. Because they ascribe everything to naturalism to time and chance and randomness, maybe evolution, uh, a way to witness to, to tell them, no, there is no randomness. Uh, there is uh, one true God. And uh, He is the uh, author and the perfecter of life. Uh, we should treat it dearly. And Peter, as you know, quotes uh, from the Greek translation of the Old Testament of Joel 2. He introduces the quotation in verse 16. Notice the text. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. Now that's very important because Joel is prophesying. The context of Joel 2, he's prophesying of the end of the world. Peter is saying this is that. This is what Joel was prophesying. It started. Uh, the end isn't near. It's come. It's broken out. And that's the point of the outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, he says, again, this is. 
uh, I believe that the end times are prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. They've started the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The coming of the Spirit. Pentecost. Started. The day is late, if that's true. And the day is very urgent. Uh, because it is true. And that's, uh, that's simply the meaning of this is what Joel was speaking of. In the outpouring of the Spirit. The Hebrew Bible reads it will come about after this. That's what you read in Joel 2. Peter changes that. Uh, he can change it because he's an apostle. Uh, I confess to you I'm not an apostle. I can't change the Bible. It stands forever. Uh, I'm charged to teach you the whole counsel of God. I can't pick and choose. I can't skip over chapters or doctrines. And uh, Peter's an apostle. He can change things. Because he understood... Uh, in his special apostolic office, uh, what the text meant. Uh, and notice, notice how Peter changes it. Uh, it shall be in the last days, God says. The last days have begun, they've started. Again, I believe that uh, there's a couple of events uh, like the second coming of Jesus Christ that having, haven't occurred, but everything else has. It started today. is really very late. This is an urgent day. Uh, because when the coming of Christ occurs, it will be so sudden and so radical. You will have no time to prepare. That's why it's an urgent day. That's why... Uh, the church is radically important. Faith and repentance are radically important. Taking the Word of God seriously is radically important. This is what was prophesied to the prophet Joel. It shall be in the last days. In other words, uh, the last days have started. So that the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost is one of the signs that we are in the last days. That's why... My dear elderly Christian gentleman who wore a sandwich board. I mean, who would do that today? Like, I had guts and courage. Give him that to be sure. Uh, but he was, he was a bit mistaken. Uh, the end isn't near. It's, it's started. It's begun. Uh, we're in the last days. Fulfillment has started. The end times have begun. The day has dawned. Uh, and therefore, uh, the applications are incredibly pronounced of the importance of our conduct, devotion, affection, uh, and so many other things. So the Spirit has come inaugurating the end times. The Spirit also comes in unprecedented blessings to begin the end times. Unprecedented blessings, verses 17 to 18. The promise is, I will pour out my Spirit upon all mankind. Notice the phrase, all mankind. What a radical phrase. All mankind. Now, I, I will tell you, uh, I believe it's not uh, all men without exception. It couldn't mean that. In fact, there's internal evidence in the text that it means all men without distinction. Uh, the reason it doesn't mean all men without exception is because if the Spirit has been poured out, Everyone's going to be a Christian, and you and I know that's not the way it is. There are many enemies of the church, violent enemies. So 
It's not poured out on everybody. It's poured out upon the people of God. Uh, universally the people of God. Uh, not all men without exception, but all men without distinction. What a radical phrase. Think about it in the Old Testament. If you wanted to be a worshiper of God in the Old Testament, you had to go through Israel. You had no other option. All of the Gentiles in the Old Testament, ladies and gentlemen, went through Israel in some manner or form. That is, no more. Because of the dawning of the age of the Spirit. That there should be a universality of ethnicity in the church because the Spirit of God has been poured out upon all mankind. I often kind of wonder, what in the world was the church doing in the South during Reconstruction? Well, I don't know. But one thing I do know is they didn't get the Spirit of God had been poured out upon all mankind. Jews and Gentiles alike, but universally without distinction. It's, it's a reminder to us one way of application. Be very careful about making ethnic distinctions. Because if the Spirit of God has been poured out upon all mankind, who are you to say? And my wife reminds me of that all the time. So I'm always making some statement that's not really too guarded, like thus and such couldn't be. How do you know? The Spirit of God's been poured out upon all mankind. Radical statement. Israel is no longer the portal that it was in the Old Testament. Now the doors have been thrown open. No, they've been kicked open by the Spirit of God. And we're going to see that in the book of Action. Gentiles streaming. And it was, it was so radical that, as you know, there's arguments about it, and finally, they, Acts 15, they convene a church council. Uh, but nonetheless, all mankind has come to affect the end time salvation, uh, which in the Old Testament included Gentiles, and now it's started. The end is just near, ladies and gentlemen. It's begun. The day has started. The day has come. Uh, this, uh, this language, uh, this phrase, uh, uh, in the last days, uh, I believe is uh, also perhaps alluded to uh, by, uh, by Joel and, and certainly Peter uh, in Acts chapter 2 in uh, the book of Isaiah uh, and Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. We know that because of this phrase. Uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, in the last days. <laughs> so, Isaiah is speaking of the future. Joel, uh, Joel is speaking of the future. Peter is saying, the future is here. It's begun. In the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord be established as the chief of the mountains will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream into it. This too is a confirmation of this great cosmic event, the beginning of the last days. The illusion references the house of the Lord and the end times and the nations coming. Uh, you know in your study of the book of Acts that the Jewish Christians had a very difficult time with Gentiles coming to the faith. Sometimes we have a difficult time saying, how could this person come to the faith? Well, this is a reason. We're in the last days. Uh, 
the portal is no longer Israel. It's the coming of the Spirit. This could well mean, by the way, that the end-time temple has begun as well. That's a radical thought. But that's, it's a radical day. The end-time temple is being erected. It's not an explicit reference to this in Acts 2, uh, but Luke uh, may have this in mind as another compelling reason of the event of fulfillment. And the blessings are expressed in the change. Again, radical change. Verses 17-18. to Notice, notice the change in those verses. Your sons and your daughters, young men and old men and servants, both men and women, they're, they're dreaming dreams, they're having, having visions, they're prophesying. It's now broken out on God's chosen ones, irrespective. Let me say that word again. Irrespective of gender, age, or social status. God's blessing, irrespective of ethnicities, gender, age, or social status. In the Old Testament, uh, there was discrimination. Uh, But the old is over, it's gone. The Spirit is invaded. It's a new day, the end has come. Uh, The the reason, uh, I should probably elaborate, on what I mean by discrimination in the Old Testament. I suggest that in terms of Israel. Uh, if you were a Gentile, you had to go through that portal. But turn with me, if you would, to uh, Numbers chapter 11, uh, verses 24 uh, to 25. Because uh, I want to explain to you uh, the concept of Old Testament discrimination in the service of God. Uh, So Moses went out and uh, told the people the words of the Lord. Numbers 11, 24. Uh, And also he gathered 70 men of the elders of Israel. Uh, There were only 70, and they were all men. And stationed them around about the tent, the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and he took of the Spirit who was upon him and placed him upon the seventy elders. And it came about uh, when the Spirit rested upon them that they prophesied. Uh, This event is is occurring in a microcosm in Numbers 11, but now in a radical way in uh, Acts 2. But, uh, But did you notice the change? Uh, let's talk about it just momentarily. Because sometimes in American culture we get hung up on this. Uh, Numbers 11, there's only 70. Now there's 120. Almost the entire company of the elect of God uh, in Acts uh, 2. The 120. The Spirit rests upon all of them. Not just men. Women. That would have been radical in the Old Testament. There were no women priests in the Old Testament. Now there are. And if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God has rested upon you. 
you're a priest of God. Uh, some denominations have radical uh, events of special class of priests, and you go and you get ordained, and on and on. Really errant theology. Uh, there is no special class of priests. Every Christian is a priest. This is confirmation of it. You're a priest of God, uh, making you a very special person. Furthermore, the numbers uh, uh, in, in this chapter, chapter 11, the 70 elders are, are now at the tabernacle, uh, perhaps in confirmation of a transition from literal architecture to spiritual. All the elect of God. And that again is radical change. Uh, we, we think in terms of architecture in America. Buildings. The Spirit thinks in terms of people. All men and women without distinction. Gender, ethnicity, age. Old Testament is only men. Elderly men. Special men. Elders around the tabernacle. That's radically changed. Now the Spirit comes upon all of the people of God. If you're a Christian, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. The Spirit of God has come to you. And you're a priest. Think of the applications of that. About your conduct. How you represent yourself to the world. We don't, we don't wear vestments. Grace Bible Church. Uh, we are. What are our vestments? Spirit of God has been poured out upon us. That's, that's my vestments. I, I get tickled at my Episcopal brethren. Got their special uniforms. I, again, I don't make light of it. It's their deal. It's not mine. I'm just saying the deal, the real deal is the Spirit of God. That's as special as it gets. And the fact that in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God... Uh, rested in the tabernacle and now it's resting upon all, all of the entire company, the 120, may very well mean it's no longer architecture, it's a spiritual entity. Spiritual entity. Uh, if you want to look at an illustration of this, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 and verse 16. Very, very radical truth here. We don't think of it in, in most uh, uh, American churches, but we should. Uh, Paul is uh, making some necessary moral corrections on the life of the church. Uh, what uh, our agreement has the temple of God with idols? Then notice what he says. We are the temple of God. We oftentimes think of some temple is going to be built somewhere and they've uh, they're learning how to reconstruct the red heifer and do this or that. I just don't think in those terms. You know why? Because of this radical event. The Spirit has come. We are the temple. It reminds you of your ninth grade English. When you have the to be verb and it links a subject with what follows, they're equated. It's called a predicate nominative. Who are you? You're the temple of the living God. 
You're his son and his daughter. Radical. And we should live accordingly. Because the Spirit has come, days late, yeah. irrespective. Another great illustration of this, uh, if you have your New Testament, turn to Romans chapter 5, because in Romans chapter 5, two verbs that are present in Acts chapter 2, namely the pouring out of the Spirit, that verb in Acts 2, and, and uh, giving, uh, giving of signs and wonders, uh, Acts 2, it's a little bit different in Romans, I believe, uh, but nonetheless, it just speaks to, I think, the radical uh, notion of, uh, of, what, of what has occurred. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 5, hope does not disappoint uh, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. Poured out. Same verb. Well, there's a different outpouring in uh, Acts 2. No, it's not. It's the same verb. The Spirit of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit of God who was given to us. Does it get any more radical than that? The living God has come, poured Himself out into your heart making you the end-time temple. So you're a pretty special person. Live accordingly. The reason I say that over and over is we live in an incredibly secular age where people have lost their way. There's no meaning in life. There's no purpose other than self. The church shouldn't drink from that stream. Because we are the temple of God. So the Spirit of God comes inaugurating the last days, the end times. He comes with unprecedented blessings. Unprecedented blessings that we just looked at, the outpouring of the Spirit. But now the Spirit comes validating the breakup of the old order, verses 19 and 20. A reminder that there's also a measure of judgment present. The, the old is breaking up. Uh, the old ship is taking on water. It's creaking and groaning. Eventually it's going to capsize and go under. I think that occurred in my mind in 70 AD. Uh, I won't really dwell on that this morning. But, but something radical is occurring. The cosmic signs uh, portrayed here are evidence of the beginning of the end. In the Old Testament, these great cosmic signs... Again, I, I mean by that the blood and the fire, the sun uh, turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Those events come out of the Old Testament uh, portending the day of the Lord, the end of the world. And sometimes uh, Old Testament authors would apply those radical signs to present events. Uh, indicating that radical events were occurring in their day. Uh, uh, for example, uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 13, uh, uh, chapter 13 in, in, in verses 9 and 10. Uh, Isaiah 13, 9, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger to make the land a desolation, and He will exterminate its sinners from it. Wow, what a powerful reason to turn to the Lord. Exterminate. Uh, verse 10, For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, 
and the moon will not shed its light. Uh, just skipping down a few verses, verse 13. Therefore all shall make the heavens tremble, the earth will be shaken from its place at the fury of the Lord of hosts uh, in the day of His burning anger. Context of that is uh, uh, using uh, the language of the end uh, to the fall of Babylon. Describing the fall of Babylon, the end of the world. Radical event. Uh, there's other illustrations of this uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah 24, 19 and 20, the earth is broken asunder, the earth is split through, the earth is shaken violently. The earth reels to and fro like a drunkard, totters like a shack, for its transgressions are heavy upon it. And it will fall and never rise again. Man, what a compelling reason to come to Christ. It will fall and never rise again. Verse 23, Then the moon will be ashamed and the sun ashamed, for the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. His glory will be before all uh, the elders. Again, the context here is the day of the Lord and the fall of earthly kings. Or earthly kings uh, fall. Sometimes uh, nations fall. There's no guarantees of anything other than God's love for His church and He will preserve it and nothing can change it or destroy it. Because it's His. It belongs to Him. He doesn't give up lightly. In fact, He never gives it up, of course. Uh, Augustine had this problem in his own day. Third, fourth century, when Rome fell, it shook Augustine's confidence. If Rome can fall, what is safe? Well, I'm certainly here to tell you that everything can fall except the kingdom of God. Except the people of God in Jesus Christ. The day is late. The day is urgent. If you're not a Christian, you too will fall. Reminded of this in my own life. I, I'm in touch with the reality that I was telling my son yesterday, exhorting him to be faithful that you know, I've kind of entered the fourth quarter. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what part of the quarter I'm in, but I, I think I'm in the fourth quarter. I say that because I get these continual notices from my high school telling me that a classmate has died. I go look at their pictures. Oh, you got to be kidding me! Gone, never to come back, unless they know Jesus Christ. Fading glory. Mine's fading to be sure, but. Uh, the only thing that's unfading is the glory of God. The only thing that's unfading is what is in our hearts through Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God who lives there. Unfading glory of God. What a compelling reason to recognize the day is urgent and late to come to Christ. To know the glory of God in our hearts. Old Testament portal is Israel. Gone. That kingdom is broken up and capsized. Again, because of time, I'm just stressing that that's uh, language of a cosmic change. 
sometimes applied uh, to earthly events contemporaneous uh, with the days of the great prophets like Isaiah. Uh, and now it's occurring contemporaneous to Peter. He's telling us the end times have come. So you may be saying, well, I've got plenty of time to get right with the Lord. I, I can sweep out my closet. I've got some time. My friend, you may not have any time. And, and, and remember, it's the church of Jesus Christ, irrespective of uh, gender, of age, of nationality, of social status, ethnicity. Reminder, the grace of God. So great, great events uh, have occurred in the coming of the Spirit, uh, starting. One of the other reasons we know that this is partially a day of judgment is uh, the presence of the gift of tongues. A lot of controversy in the church over tongues, and I'm, I'm not going to change anybody's view. I'm not really attempting to. I'm just going to read to you from Scripture and tell you what I think it means. Uh, you can uh, apply it. Uh, because 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 21 and 22 are illustrations uh, of, uh, of uh, the presence of tongues and what they really meant, uh, I think in a profound way of uh, uh, Acts 2. So if you have your New Testament, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14. Uh, going to read... Uh, verses 21 and 22. And the Lord is written by men of strange tongues, and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Uh, the, uh, the context of that quotation uh, from uh, the Old Testament uh, is a coming judgment from the words of the prophet Isaiah. And it portends an invasion by the Assyrian army. That's the point of the strange tongues in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.21. comes from Isaiah. It's a reminder that uh, the nation of Israel is going to be invaded. How do they know they're going to be invaded? Because of the presence of a strange language. Uh, the language, again, contextually is Assyrian army it comes to destroy the nation and to carry it off into captivity. Now that says a lot about the purpose and divining, defining purpose of the gift of tongues. Uh, so what is the gift of tongues? It announces judgment. It announces radical change. Judgment upon the old order, it's breakup. It's no longer through the nation of Israel. It's now through all types of nations uh, without... Uh, uh, distinction, even Gentiles. All nationalities. We get hung up on that in the world today. God didn't. He's saving all. Men and women, young and old, bond slaves, uh, servants, both male and female. The language of Joel 2. So notice, uh, notice uh, the purpose uh, again comes from the context of Isaiah, 1 Corinthians 14, 22. So then tongues 
are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Particularly unbelieving Israel. They're under judgment. God is turning to the nations, a day is late. It's no longer through their portals. It's now through Jesus Christ. He's the end time Israel. He's the beginning, the inauguration of the end time temple. If you know Him, your your identity has been radically changed. Irrespective of your uh, national origin or ethnicity. God's saving all men and women, irrespective of age, gender distinctions, nationalities, country of origin. Radical invasion. Radical event. Blessings upon the people of God. The blessings of the Spirit. The blessings of Jesus Christ. A reminder of judgment. He's going to the nations. Now, I understand it includes a measure of all of the remnant of God according to divine election. Paul tells us that uh, in Romans chapter 11. It's no longer through the door of Israel. It's through the door of Jesus Christ. The presence of the Spirit. Radical event. Radical applications. You think you've got time? You may not have any time. The day is late. The end is near. The end has come. Compelling reason. Great warning from the text of the Word of God. And Peter takes this reality of Joel of the beginning of the final judgment and the final blessings that have started and he he makes a profound application. It's incredibly profound. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 21. It shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Using the quotation from Joel, Peter makes a dramatic appeal in light of the drama of the cosmic signs at Pentecost indicating the breakup of the old order, the presence of divine blessings and judgment, and the portal has changed through Jesus Christ and what they mean. If the day is upon us, what should we do? Call upon the Lord. I would say it's really more pronounced than that. It's the urgency. Don't waste any time. Call upon the Lord. If you're not a Christian, and I I will confess to you, I can't make you one. We don't try to make Christians at Grace Bible Church. It's something we can't do. We don't change hearts. Only God does. Uh, But if you're not a Christian, you ought to go home and get on your knees. Ask God to save you. If He wills to save you. That the end time blessings would come upon you and radically change your life. The Spirit of God poured out in your heart, giving you a new identity, if you will, a new nationality, a new country of origin. New Testament church, who cares? 
Where are you from, Bowersock? Well, I was born in Venezuela. Oh, wow, you're one of those weirdos. But no, I'm, my country of origin is the end-time Israel, inaugurated by the Spirit of the living God, poured out uh, in the hearts of God's people. And everyone who does this shall be saved, Peter says. Even in this, there's radical change. No longer Israel, but anyone. The key is calling upon the Lord. Now, Peter's audience would have known what the day of the Lord meant. They knew the danger from Joel. We have to tell people that. By and large, we don't. Our country, we're losing an understanding of the Old and the New Testaments. We are long since past understanding the great counsels of God great theological doctrines. Uh, God is a God of love, but He's also a God of judgment. And if you don't come to Him through Jesus Christ, my friend, you're in a bad way. You're in a bad way. Uh, Peter's uh, countrymen would have known this. We ought to know it. It's one of the reasons the church exists, to tell people, look, God toppled Babylon. He toppled Assyria. He topples all the earthly kings. Uh, and if you don't know his son, he'll topple you. The day is late. The day is urgent. Uh, we should too, for uh, all who have not called on Christ for salvation will die. Uh, and death is not the end. It's only a change of location. And my friend, that's a radical event. Uh, our souls never really die. Uh, what's imperative is location. If you're in Jesus Christ, I have the good news to tell you that you are in the only place of safety that really ever will matter because of who He is and what the Spirit of God makes of you as His son and daughter. Young or old? Man or woman? Slave or free, in terms of the New Testament concept of that. So radical change has occurred. Again, uh, think about the change of location, the resting place of your eternal soul apart from Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I don't say that, of course, to scare you. If the Spirit of God doesn't do that from, from Joel 2 and Acts chapter 2, far be it from me. I, 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 uh, it's reality of uh, the greatest invasion that has ever occurred, the coming of the Spirit. It wasn't too long ago that uh, I stood on the beaches of uh, Omaha looked at the greatest seaborne invasion that the world has ever known. The end of Nazi Germany. But it's not the greatest invasion. This is. The breakup of the old, uh, the beginning of the new. So the end times and the cosmic signs indicating the breakup of the old have come. The Spirit has started the eschatological clock. Uh, 
Uh, it started. It's ticking. I don't know when it will end. Don't have a clue. But I just know if uh, the clock is ticking, uh, perhaps it should mean radical change in our lives. Uh, because we are radically a new people. And there has been a radical new beginning. And we're it. And we should be a people of God of profound significance and identity. Because He's made us special. Because of His sovereign grace. No other reason. Don't have any time to get to that. No other reason but His sovereign grace made us new. Uh, the day has begun. All that awaits is the end of the day. I'll grant you that. Maybe that's what my dear elderly friend with his sandwich board in Oklahoma City meant. But it's a compelling reason to respond to the call of Joel and Peter. And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a blessing for all of us who have. May it be your blessing. May it radically change you. Because that's what the Spirit and the Son do. And may we be blessed as God's people because of it. His sovereign grace.